So welcome to Loving Your Garden, the better gardening podcast for gardeners of all persuasions, from beginners to lifetime gardeners. Can I also welcome new members and followers to the podcast, including Derek, Pat, Sue and Jeff, just a few that come off the top of the page there. Don't forget to check out our host Facebook group, Loving Your Garden, where you'll come across a host of friendly, inspiring gardeners, all happy to share their advice and show off they're beautiful gardens. Anyway, let me say hello to my partner in crime, Richard Chuck. Hello, Richard Chuck. Hello, Rod. How are you? Mustn't grumble, sir. Mustn't grumble. We're talking about uh, the National Garden Scheme uh, today because uh, it's had a, a pretty rough year uh, with all the restrictions. And, you know, we just haven't been able to go out and visit the gardens in the in the way that we uh, usually do. But it's slowly things are starting to get back to normal now. We said fingers very much crossed. Uh, let's also say hello to our guest tonight, uh, Helen Boothman, who runs Mill Farm Gardens at uh, Grasby in North Lincolnshire. Hello, Helen. Hello, both of you. Well, Mill Farm is an interesting story because uh, I, I imagine it used to be a farm. It's it's not a working farm now, though. No, definitely not a working farm, not in the farming sense anyway. It is all um, a garden. It's all been gardened. We bought it in 2003, and it was a total wreck, to be honest. So we just developed it, and as we've gone on and done more and more, uh, we just got more into gardening and developed the garden and it's evolved into what it is now, a three and a half acre garden. Nothing to do with agriculture at all. No, but it is a magnificent garden. Because uh, I, I came in my previous life, I came and recorded a piece with you, didn't I? And uh, the reason I remember that very well is because the weather was atrocious. Uh, and how I managed to not lose all my equipment uh, under the, the, the downpour. Uh, we were, but, you know, we had our oil skins on and galoshes and uh, we managed to squelch round. Um, and uh, it, it was a, it was actually a good day, despite the, despite the weather. All right. Well, listen, well, we're going to talk more about your, your garden because you are part of the National Garden Scheme. But before we do chat, let's hear from the person who actually runs the National Garden Scheme at the moment. And that is the chief executive, George Plumtree. The National Garden Scheme is a very long-established charity. We were founded in the 1920s. We were founded by the Queen's Nursing Institute, which pre-NHS basically ran district nursing all over the country. And, of course, for most people's healthcare, district nursing was what you got. And so it was indispensable. And we were launched by an enterprising board of QNI trustees one of whom said, I've got a very good way we can raise funds. We'll pers persuade lots of people who've got lovely gardens to open and raise money for us. And in 1927, 600 gardens opened and they raised £8,000, charging one shilling a head each. And in 2019, just over 3,500 gardens opened and they raised £4 million. And we have always continued to give the great majority of the funds that we earn every year to nursing health charities. We have a group of charities that everybody will know of, including the QNI, but also Macmillan Cancer Support, Marie Curie, Hospice UK, Parkinson's UK and Carers Trust. So we've been going over 90 years and we're still true to 
the principles and where the money goes that we've, we've found it to do, which is fantastic. And, and never has that timing been more critical, has it, uh, given what we've been through over the last year and, and how people have turned to their gardens, those who are lucky enough to have one, uh, four million extra gardeners, uh, the, the industry estimates. I, I think that's absolutely right. And what it has been, a, for us, a very encouraging, although for the nation at large, I think a pretty salutary lesson that millions of people have been coping with life on their own, very restricted, isolated, a, a sort of national case of anxiety. And out of all of that, people have found in the very limited things that they were able to do, what gives them some respite. And what millions of them found was that either spending time in their own garden or being able to get out into a park or a public garden, they were lifesavers for millions of people. We talk about uh, more than three and a half thousand gardens. Um, so one imagines a rich variety of gardens to look at and not too far for people to travel to either. The a great majority of people who visit our, or a lot of the people who visit our gardens visit very locally. They travel less than 20 miles. They go to an NGS garden because they want to support a local charity event. And that is a very strong characteristic for us. Well, clearly, the pandemic has, ha has had a, a, a negative effect as well in terms of the availability of gardens at, at key times. But we are, well, we hope we are coming out of uh, uh, of of the worst of the the pandemic now and things are opening up again so what 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 is the situation nationally they are opening up and and something that the pandemic effectively made us do is it's rocket launched us into the 21st century because pre last year a traditional ngs open day is you turn up you pay your admission on the gate in cash you buy your tea in cash and you might buy a plant or a pot of honey to take home with cash. None of that was possible last year. We were only allowed to open throughout 2020 by pre-booked tickets. So people had to book a ticket on the website, and every garden had a limited number of people for time slots. And so we've developed now a very sophisticated system. Up until about two weeks ago, from late February, any garden that opened could only open by pre-booked ticket. That is now beginning to open up so that in some gardens where there's the space, people can turn up in the traditional way as well. And we are also rolling out cashless machines to our gardens, card readers, so that people can pay with a card, not by cash. So when, in, in two great leaps, we've transformed the way that we can look after our visitors offering pre-booking and cashless as well as the traditional. And in the recent weeks, we've seen the number of tickets being purchased absolutely rocket, which is fantastic. Our big step forward for outdoor activities will be on the 17th of May. And after that, most of our gardens will be able to open on a normal basis. And very briefly, um, for, for information on where to find those gardens, it's the National Garden Scheme. Just search that online and you'll get all the information you need. It is. It is. Search it. Google us at the National Garden Scheme. The website is very simple, ngs.org.uk, and all the necessary information are rolling weekly. These are the gardens opening this coming weekend are all there. You can book a ticket if you want. You'll find out all the details of gardens, photographs, directions, what the admission is. 
gardens in your region and it's all there on the website and we have a lot of social media activity as well so um yeah we are hoping it's it's really lovely because both our garden owners and our visitors are champing at the bit to get going and what we're hoping is that by the end of the summer we're we're able to go to our beneficiaries macmillan and the queen's nursing institute and say yeah we're able to give you all a substantial sum because the National Gardens scheme only exists to raise money to give it away. There, there's, there's nothing else to our portfolio. We don't have assets or investments. or So to get back to a semblance of normal donations would be a great achievement for us all. So, Richard, then, uh, hearing from George there, uh, it, I didn't realise, actually, just how much money they raise for charity. It's astonishing, uh, apart from the fact that it's just a great thing to do, to be able to go into these lovely private gardens. Uh, th- yeah, they're doing great stuff for charity as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly how much they do make, but I know it's a lot of money. And it's just... I Can you remember, Rod, I used to harp on about um, the the yellow book and open gardens did uh, quite often in your previous life and um, and and it's something we should all get into we should all visit these gardens I mean Helen's I've been to Helen's and I fully intend to go back again this year uh, and I've actually seen Helen's garden developing from sort of day one when she first well I didn't know it was Helen that was living there but I knew some garden lived there because I could tell you can tell straight away if there's a gardener the way it starts getting structured and and but the yellow garden scheme is just it's just fantastic really it's something i've not ever opened a garden for that's something me and me and helen will lock arms on later but anyway we uh, we uh, you know I, I, i'm not against it it's just a good way because i i got to see a lot of gardens this way and you know be nosy and you can be nosy in the yellow gardens and and there are so many knowledgeable gardens especially the people who open for the yellow book because you know they're really really keen that's what they want to do they're really into the gardening because um, they definitely want people to come in and see their gardens hence to go into the yellow book but i mean helen will more than likely tell us more about this you can't i don't believe you can just apply and get in you've got to sort of like pass certain criteria which hopefully Ellen will enlighten us on uh, yeah well look Helen before we do get into that um just just give us some context of of how we you know we've had a, a an overview if you like of of what you've you've done but how long has it taken you from taking the garden on to getting it where it is today um well let's say we did we did start in 2003 we seriously started the garden 2006 um i was encouraged to ask the ngs to come and inspect the garden see if it was any good for opening for them um that was done by sally grant then and she actually turned me down the first year wow said, that it, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah on wow. the base only on the basis that it wasn't mature enough so and she just gave me some pointers of what we possibly could be doing to enhance the garden uh, so we took her advice on board and the next year we got in um, and from there on it's been 12 13 years now that we've been opening for them so going back to the criteria you weren't able to get in first time and she said it wasn't mature enough i mean what what, what was she looking for then 
well it was it was very quite basic um at the time as well we did have some old buildings and things that needed taking down um there was quite a few rough areas that needed tidying up and we we knew that it needed to be done um so we just concentrated on those areas and brought brought it up to scratch to to allow us to open but it is i mean the only thing is it is a big commitment that's the only thing i will say uh, it's not something that you can just go into light-heartedly but if you can get into the NGS, it's one of the most enjoyable things you can do in the garden, without a doubt. It's... Why? Why is it so enjoyable? Why? Well, firstly, it keeps you inspired in the garden to keep it moving forward and keep planning. And also, you meet such lovely people. You know, when you're open for an NGS open day, people come into the garden. They really appreciate that you're opening the garden. They come and have a real nosy about and take away some ideas, take away plants. And a lot of people, to be fair, come for an afternoon an afternoon out and have tea and cake. And all the proceeds are going to charity. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. It, it's so inspiring, the NGS. It really is. Well, we've already heard from George, you know, that was something like four, four and a half million pounds uh, when they last had a proper year um, raised for, for health charities. I mean, it's an astonishing amount of money, you know, for, for doing stuff that people love doing. Uh, but but there is this added dimension of, of your welcoming strangers in onto your into your garden um, who who have one thing in common with you. They have a passion for gardening. People do. They love to go out and have a nosy around and have a cup of tea and chat to other people. And it's just a brilliant way to spend a Sunday afternoon. It can't have been a cheap thing to do. Uh, Not that, you know, we do these things, you know, because they're uh, cheap or expensive or whatever. But it it must have been quite an investment. Yeah, well, I I do wish that because I'd um, calculated how much I'd spent over the years on plants, etc. Um, but saying that, we don't go on holiday, we don't have fancy cars or anything. Our our life is the garden, and, and that's what we do. It's a lifestyle thing as much as anything. Are there any restrictions on size of gardens? Because, I mean, I can imagine a lot of people, me included, uh, who would feel... Well, my garden's not big enough. I mean, I've got a lot in it, but it's not its not big enough to be of any interest. Yeah, that was just something that I just wanted to highlight, Rod, because although, yeah, we've got three and a half acres here, here we're very lucky. Um, but saying that, we have got some very small gardens within the scheme. But those those gardens are packed with interest absolutely packed and real little wow gardens so there's no there's no discrimination on the size of your garden at all it is what what is actually in the garden and can you keep people interested how interesting so when is your i mean we've had a rough year uh I, have you managed to open at all over the past year um, we have we haven't done for the national garden scheme, but we, we did we did welcome people in just to come and walk around the garden um, on a pre-book basis last year. Uh, but we have opened the garden again this year to the public, so we're open every week again now. But we're actually open for the NGS on the thirtieth of May on the bank holiday Sunday, thirtieth of May. 
You must be ready for that then. You're looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We always, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it is, it's very hard work. It doesn't, you know, it's, like I say, it, it is a huge commitment. It, re it really is. Uh, I'm busy baking cakes at the moment and getting them in the freezer <laughs> and getting plants ready for sale and making sure there's no weeds about. And, yeah, so, so we're, we're full on at the moment. You've got to be a baker as well as a, a gardener then? Well, not really. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just one of those people. I like to do things myself. I don't like to ask people to do things for me. Very often, this is what we come up against with the NGS. People worry about the tea side of it. Um, what we do advise is that you can get your local church or village hall committee to help, and then the proceeds from the teas could actually go to that charity, and the NGS would just take the uh, gate money Fair and we're quite happy happy with that you know again it's a win-win situation and everybody benefits then well um helen I, I must say that uh it is definitely worth people you know taking the trip if uh, they're in the uh, the lincolnshire uh, area and by that you know within sort of half an hour 45 minutes it's definitely definitely worth taking a drive to grasby and uh, and and having a look around mill farm uh because uh you you've just done an amazing job and and thank thank you not just for you know from your perspective but also for the national garden scheme as well and you would definitely encourage people to do it oh without a doubt no, it's the best thing that we did best thing we did it's better than any holiday it really is yeah yeah carry on with it richard you're doing a good job i love you in yet <laughs> <laughs> Well, Helen's garden is absolutely wonderful, and she's got but she's got the added advantages of being well up on on the Lincolnshire well, walls, and she sees what I think they call the Western Escarpment going round, and she's also got that beautiful mill, haven't you, Helen, which used to be a windmill yeah. that you've that I absolutely love. It's just <laughs> it's my kind of thing that, and it's absolutely stunning. That's the one thing when I come to yours that I like to go in and have a look at. I'm a bit nosy, like you say. But yeah. I love it. And, and and you are an inspiration, Helen. You are for people. I hope so. The, the way you're building the garden. You, well, you definitely are. No, you shouldn't uh, undermine that because uh, you just opening up for the garden scheme is is enough for people to just come in there and just see what you're up to and what you're doing. And it's great. And I've watched, kind of come across you and come and watch the developments of your garden as it's gone along. I've not been up there regular enough, but, but I shall. And, and hopefully when I get, grassy bottom sorted out we'll we'll invite you over and see if you see if i can fit into this uh do a little bit for charity oh, in that I'm, respect i'm sure we will i'm sure you will <laughs> i'm sure you'll have the thumb screws on me <laughs> so, are you are yeah. you uh, a national inspector yet then uh, helen oh yeah i'm a county organizer i'm a county organizer yeah. and a treasurer as well so, so you'd be the one you'd be the one to to inspect uh richard's garden oh yeah 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 definitely yeah, <laughs> yeah. no can't wait can't wait <laughs> i don't go. think i'll be done in time this year though Ellen. no no Next i don't year, think you'll be done in time well definitely won't but um i've got lots of ideas and i think that's why i've done my shoulder in because i I've, I've tried to push this garden on quick um uh, because i know everything that i need to do but i need to remember i'm getting a little bit older so i need to slow down a little bit you want to complain um, <laughs> I do often complain, Rod. You you ask Kathy, she's always uh, listening to it anyway. But yeah, I, I I fully I fully intend to. So 
let's hope I can get on with it and uh, and then Rod can come and put, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have Rod up here first. He'll come and uh, do his own sort of inspection. Yeah, we'll get, get the camera up there. And yeah. All right. Well, Helen, thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's been it's been lovely talking to you, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to uh, coming up to to the Mill Farm mm-hmm. again quite soon. Yeah, thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All, right. all, all the very best. Bye. Okay. Right. So, Richard, uh, what you're, you're saying that you haven't been able to do very much because you've got a bad shoulder. So I'm guessing you've had a fairly quiet week, as have most of us, because the weather has yeah. just been appalling. It's either been too cold or uh, we've had torrential rain and all the rest of it. I did manage to get the lawn aerated and I did manage to um, dig out some of those tufts of horrible foreign grass that ruin the yeah. lawn uh, yeah. and uh, reseed. So I've managed to get something done. Yeah, well, I've been, um, I've, I've actually quite enjoyed it, Rod, because I was praying for a lot of rain because we need a lot of rain in the gardens. But I was praying for it because I was having this injection in my arm with this steroid to try and help that. And, and to be honest with you, I can't stop myself going in the garden. And I, I needed bad weather to sort of encourage me to not actually go in the garden, which <laughs> I got to a degree. Uh, but I've still been putting plants in. But what it has stopped me is putting structures and getting the shack finished and and all that kind of thing. But the rain is so welcome because my yeah. garden is so far behind. I've I've been down to a friend's house. She lives down at Moortown, and her garden it, it must be probably two three weeks ahead of mine, as in plant growth. Unbelievable the difference because I've never lived so high up on the walls, and it does make a difference because it it holds things back. I bet you, you see, you, you live in Lincoln, so you've got a bit of an advantage there because you've got that sort of town microclimate going on, um, which we don't have here. We just have horrible blowing winds. Once it's rained, though, Rod, I don't know if you agree with this, when you look at your garden, doesn't it look so much better when it's had a, a coat of rain on it? Yeah, it's the, the plants are actually, you know, they're rubbing their hands saying, thank you, thank you. And you <laughs> yeah. can see them actually physically doing that. Um, but uh, plant of the week. Now, I, I've gone for Alstroemeria, uh, which is a Peruvian lily, or I think lily of the Incas is another name for it. Um, but it's a really, really colourful flower uh, shrub. It... Um, it, I've, I think it works well in pots. Uh, it seems to be pretty, pretty um, manageable, pretty hardy. It's, it puts up with uh, the full sun uh, on its uh, on its head for, for weeks on end, um, as long as you keep it reasonably well watered. And it just goes for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, I had it from from June right the way through to I think possibly even November because it was so mild. Uh, but it's a, it's a and you get it in different colours. It's just a, a, a really nice plant to put in, in pots on your balcony or in your courtyard or wherever. Uh, and you can get, as I say, several different colours and get a get a whole squadron of them going. It's a, a nice plant. Alstroemeria. What about you? It, it is a good plant. I'll give you that. It's not one that, that I have, but, you know, I've come across so many Alstroemerias. Maybe that one could be for my pot culture. I might I might invest in one and put it into a pot. But, but as far as I'm concerned for my, for my plant... Um, it, it, it's quite common and it's been brought up all the time just recently and it's um, it's an erysimum and it's called Bowles Morph and yeah. it's just up, up here it's just stunning I've posted pictures of it um, it was the only one I had left from when I, I left my previous uh, place and I took it as a cutting from a cutting from a cutting you know and, and that's how it goes and it just keeps going but the beauty of it is it practically flowers 12 months of the year once you've got 
once yeah. it's gone through the first year. But um, and it's doing it right now in my garden, and it is probably uh, because it's so new. This garden, it's probably the best plant in there, apart from the euphorbias at the minute. Is is this erysimum, and it just keeps going. And but I, I have to say to people that they really do need to in second year, in the second year, take cuttings from it. They're so easy. Hopefully, I'll be able to post some um, a method of doing this in the future. Yeah, because they don't uh, last that. They don't last that long, do they? I mean, my I, I had a. It's a wallflower, isn't it? I think that's the, the common name. But it, it, um, yeah. it, it does. It, I think I had mine about three years, and then it just that was yeah. it gone. Well, it's a perennial wallflower. So, in, in actual fact, I've kept them going for five, six years. The, right. That particular variety, but it's a bit of a secret of how to do it. Well, it's not a secret. It's it's a knack of when you should be taking flowers off, when you should be gently pruning it back in, and when you shouldn't. And and if you can get that right, you can keep it going five years without a doubt. And the last one I had um, made, oh, I bet it made a foot and a half um, high by at least two foot wide. And it was the perfect dumpling shape because, uh, and that one just by chance, that was because I pruned it and clipped it correctly, taking cuttings. And then there comes a point when you flowers, you have a lot of flowers and they, they get sort of, they're spent and they're used. That's the point when you should go back in gently and just clip it all into shape. Yes, you will lose flowers for about maybe a week, but you're going to be benefiting because then you'll already see little buds appearing below in the foliage. And within a couple, two or three weeks time after you've clipped it, it'll be coming back up and through. And it's it's just amazing. I mean, Christmas Day, Rod, I've got this thing flowering on Christmas days. It's lovely. I love it. Well, there we are, Erismum and uh, the Alstroemeria. That's our plants of the week this week. And uh, right, well, uh, fingers crossed that we'll get some, start to get some decent weather again after we've had a good dollop of rain and yep. I can get out and start overseeding the lawn. Yeah, I would get out there now, Rob, and overseed it while it's raining because honestly it's going gonna, it's gonna to wash it into the sward, into the into the, the pile of the lawn. So it'd be brilliant. Yeah. Plus the birds don't want to come out. Yeah. The cat. They don't want to get wet themselves. So they leave your seed alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of blackbirds that have discovered my waterfall um, into the pond and they yeah. use their daily bath for them now. It's a daily shower. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Anyway. There we are. Right, my friend, we must, uh, we must leave it there. And in the meantime, happy gardening. And you too.